going to record. Um, yep, and Amy's got it. So we're going to record the worship portion of our gathering. Um, we, we cut it off uh, before fellowship time where we trim it down if we forget to cut it off. Um, but we'll share the worship part of our gathering with folks who um, aren't able to be with us now or who would just like to listen in um, again. And uh, we are going to keep everyone muted for the service, for the worship service. So we do, and that just helps us with sound. Um, but we do encourage you to, um, again, share your prayers with us. Um, and you can do that in the chat box. Um, it's best if you share with everyone since they'll be spoken aloud anyway. Um, uh, and that will allow us to keep track of all the prayers as well for sending out the following week. Um, also, you're welcome to introduce someone that you have invited to join us if it's their first time and we may not know who it is. Or if you are a first timer with us and would like to introduce yourself, you can do that again in the chat box um, to everyone and we'd love to know who's with us. Um, and then our fellowship time after worship will give us a chance to connect more and share with one another and unmute our mics and, and talk. Welcome to worship uh, with Seattle Mennonite Church. We are grateful for this technology that allows us to gather in this way. Um, and this is our fourth Sunday of Eastertide, of the Easter season. And as Amy, I thought, poignantly coined it last week, it's also the ninth Sunday of Zoom season. Um, we are in our third month, officially, of gathering in this way. And in this Eastertide season, we are hearing stories of how the earliest Jesus followers created those first church, church communities, those first discipleship communities with one another. Um, and lots of different places. And today we're hearing about um, a start of a community in Thessalonica or Thessaloniki. Um, and that's a community then that Paul eventually wrote a couple of letters to, which we have in our Bibles, First and Second Thessalonians. We continue in this season to celebrate Jesus risen and the power of the Holy Spirit to connect the church across time. So between us and those early church communities and across distance. Um, as we gather here this morning from our many respective places across the city and even country, um, as the Holy Spirit connects us from our various places and weaves us together, creating this holy space and time together, we give thanks for that. Regardless of where we are spread across these many miles, we are gathered on lands of first peoples. And here in Seattle, we're on the land of the Duwamish tribe, a people that's still alive and active in this city, um, a people with whom we are grateful to have some relationships, and they have their home on the Longhouse down on the Duwamish River in West Seattle. We are going to um, have our first song, so we're going to enter into worship with song here in this place, um, a beloved familiar one, um, and maybe we sing here in these places. <laughs> or here in this place that we are creating together virtually. So I invite the O'Learys to lead us in singing. Here in this place, the light is streaming. Now is the darkness vanished away. See in this space, our fears and our dreamings brought here to you in the light of this day. Gather us in 
Let's join in our call to worship. And your response again is Alleluia, come Holy Spirit, which Pastor Amy will say with you. Jesus said, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Alleluia, come Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses even to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. Come, Holy Spirit. May we worship our Creator through the power of the risen Christ, knowing that the Spirit draws us together. Hallelujah. Come, Holy Spirit. Um, I just realized <clears throat> that I'm accustomed to Amy and I having the reverse roles, and I already lit my candle. So... Amy, excellent. Amy is accustomed to this too. She didn't light her candle. <laughs> Amy is going to light for us uh, a peace candle, which we do every week when we gather to acknowledge that we both witness to and participate in God's vision of a just peace for all creation. And today we specifically remember Palestinian Muslims in the old city in Hebron. We pray that they may find, they may find comfort in this holy month of Ramadan. This week they were reminded once again of the apartheid system that they live under when Israeli soldiers sealed off a neighborhood so that Hebron settlers could celebrate Israeli Independence Day, even though the government, the Israeli government had canceled all Independence Day celebrations within Israel. Still this happened in Hebron. And so we um, remember in prayer um, our siblings there, our Palestinian Muslim siblings there, and we pray together. We long for peace. We pray for peace. We choose to live for peace. The peace of Christ be with you all and also with you. I would invite for this um, children's time, all kids who are nearby or anybody who else, anybody else who wants to get closer to the screen to see, there's gonna be some things to see, some people to see, some funny faces to see on your screen. It may be a time also that you wanna to switch to speaker view um, and that will allow you to see even more up close and personal. So we just offered the peace of Christ to one another. And that is one way that we remember and that we remind one another that we want to be peacemakers like Jesus was a peacemaker, that we want to imitate Jesus in peacemaking. Um, and when Paul wrote this letter to this new little church in Thessalonica that we're gonna hear about in our scripture, he encouraged them to imitate Jesus. So we're gonna think a little bit about and see a little bit about imitation. So I have three helpers and I wanna invite my three helpers to be ready to unmute yourself. Um, and we're gonna go in this order. So you're gonna get the heads up on who the helpers are. Let's start with Greg and then Rebecca and then Pete. Okay, so those are my helpers. Helpers, when you unmute yourself, you also have to speak something before you do your imitation so that your picture becomes big. 
Okay, I think that's all my instructions. Now, <clears throat> when we imitate one another, it means we do what another person does, but we also have our own unique flavor on it. We're not exact copies of one another. So everybody's imitation is just a little bit different. Okay, so imitation number one, googly eyes. Okay then. <laughs> googly eyes. <laughs> Excellent imitators. Okay, next is shoulder shimmy. Well, now you're just playing it in my wheelhouse. <laughs> but not mine. <laughs> and this is definitely new for me. <laughs> Great. Okay. One more that the glasses have to come off for. Silly monkey face. Well, my glasses are gonna come back then. <laughs> Boaz loves baboons right now. <laughs> Thank you to my imitators. That's awesome. They're not quite done yet because um, when we imitate Jesus, so like Paul was telling those first Jesus followers that they should imitate Jesus. And just like those imitations that you've just seen, when we imitate Jesus, we do what Jesus does, but we also have our own unique flavor in how we do that. So I am going to invite um, our imitators to share one more thing with us. Um, one of the key things that Jesus both did that we can imitate and taught about was loving our neighbors. So imitators, I am going to ask you, how are you imitating Jesus and loving your neighbors in these days? Um, so first we're staying home and not going out, shopping only two weeks at a time. Um, but in our grocery shopping, we're trying to shop at local grocery stores. So there's an Ethiopian market that I go now to get coffee from and there's a little Hispanic uh, Mexican grocery that we've been getting um, as much as we can from there before we go to like the big chain stores. Thank you. I've been lucky to get to know a couple of neighbors, um, both other moms <laughs> who live in my neighborhood um, through a Buy Nothing group on Facebook. And both of them are going through a pretty rough time and were before this all with COVID. 19 crisis started, um, so I have been really feeling fortunate to get to know them better and also, um, sorry, the background noise, <laughs> uh, mobilize some resources. Many of you have chipped in um, to support uh, both of them with rent uh, every month and also grocery shopping. I've coordinated with a few other neighbors really close by to do that. And then also just started a baby shower online for one of the moms who's expecting her third child in September and wasn't able to get a lot of the things she needs. So if you're interested in joining into that, um, please let me know. I'd be happy to pass along the information. Thank you. Well, good morning once again. Um, one of the things that we know about Jesus is that he was always traveling. And when he traveled, he was always visiting with other people, sometimes walking, sometimes eating, sometimes preaching, but always in relationship with other people. 
So one way we can imitate Jesus is to visit other people and do just meet with them just like Jesus did. And of course, today it's hard to do when we're told to stay at home. However, the good news is, is that we can be with people, just not too close. We've all heard of the six foot rule. So my wife, Pat, and I have found a way to be with people. Every day we take a walk or take a bike ride and we visit someone we know, quite often somebody from Seattle Mennonite Church. And when we get to the house, we usually call on the cell phone, we stay on the sidewalk, and we have a little conversation between the sidewalk and the front door or the front window. And we've made up a name for this. And by the way, we got this idea from Ma Pastor Megan. I always wanna give credit for that. Um, but we, we did make up a name for this and we're calling it social windowing. And it's our way of to imitate Jesus. So watch for us. Uh, we may be visiting your house. And when we do, we'll take a picture. And someday I'm going to pull all these pictures together. And I would just add that it's also something you can do. Uh, visit a friend from a sidewalk. Thank you so much to all of our imitators of Jesus for sharing these windows into, haha, <laughs> social windows, <laughs> sharing these windows into how you are loving your neighbors these days. Let us sing with joy and celebration then, halle, 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 hallelujah. And I'll invite the O'Learys to lead us. Halle, 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 invite Jim now all the way from Texas to read our scripture from Acts 17. Okay, I'm going to try to unmute you, Jim. There we go. Okay. Reading from Acts 17, verses 1 through 9. After Paul and Silas had passed through Amphipolos and Apollonia, they came to Thessaloniki, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days argued with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This is the Messiah. Jesus, whom I am proclaiming to you. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks 
and not a few of the leading women. But the Jewish authorities became jealous, and with the help of some ruffians in the marketplaces, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. While they were searching for Paul and Silas to bring them out to the assembly, they attacked Jason's house. When they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some believers before the city authorities, shouting, These people who have been turning the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has entertained them as guests. They are all acting contrary to the decrees of the emperor, saying that there is another king named Jesus. The people and the city officials were disturbed when they heard this, and after they had taken bail from Jason and the others, they let them go. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Um, uh, anyone else surprised at uh, hearing that there's a Jason in the Bible? Was that just me? Uh, besides that one, uh, besides uh, realizing or maybe remembering, I'm not sure if I heard that before, that there was a Jason in the Bible. Uh, the words that stuck with me from this passage were, uh, were, were the accusation against Paul and the other disciples. It was hearing, uh, I'm going to read it so that I get it right. Uh, this was the accusation. These people who have been turning the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has entertained them as guests. They are acting contrary to the decrees of the emperor saying that there is another king named Jesus. Turning the world upside down. These are the words that kept echoing in my head, translated in different ways, in different uh, texts. This isn't a Greek phrase. This, didn't, this wasn't the original language, but I really like it. And I think I got caught into it in part, honestly, because of Hamilton. Now, I know Hamilton is like so five years ago at this point, and I hadn't, hadn't listened to it actually for a long time. But this phrase comes from a song called The Battle of Yorktown, uh, of Yorktown parentheses, world turned upside down. And that song sort of outlined, that's the point at which, which everything kind of turns um, in the, the revolution, right? It's the point, it's the song that outlines the battles, the losses, the surrender, and then freedom for America, freedom for France. And, uh, and the drinking song they're singing, the world turned upside down. The world turned upside down, 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 down. And that song, so this week I've just been hearing that in my head as I, I read this story from Acts. And in some nominal ways, uh, at least nominal, uh, the earliest Americans, the earliest European Americans, were like the earliest church. They were passionate revolutionary. They were all in on this mission of freedom, and they were determined to throw off the bonds of their empire. But of course, there are big differences. So Paul starts where he's the most comfortable. He starts in the synagogue. He gets to Thessalonica, and he goes straight to the synagogue because he's Jewish. These are his people, and uh, he wants to engage in scripture with people that he knows and in a way that he's familiar with, which as Megan talked about last week is argument. 
you dig into the scripture by arguing about it. And he argues for Jesus as the Messiah. He uses scripture to, to argue that, um, that even though they would have been expecting some kind of a political leader, political Messiah, this Jesus who he had encountered in a real way on his way to Damascus, a, a savior or a Messiah who died, rose again. And that was the key, that dying and rising again, and that triumph over death is what, what was so critical about God providing this Messiah for God's people. And Paul convinces a few Jews in the synagogue. He convinces an even greater number of Greeks who were also God believers and enough people that he creates this small community in Thessalonica. And that is the community that is accused by the other Jewish um, population in Thessalonica, accused essentially of treason, of misallegiance, of proclaiming someone other than Caesar to be king. So all through the gospels, the disciples are asking Jesus, when Jesus, when is the revolution? When is this going to happen? When is God going to bring this, uh, this Messiah around? They're, the disciples are expecting a kind of Yorktown. They're expecting an uprising. And again and again, Jesus is explaining to them, folks, I'm not that kind of a Messiah. That's not what this is going to be about. And the Jewish community in Thessalonica, I think, they're also expecting that out of a Messiah. And so when Paul comes and explains to them, no, we, we got it wrong. The, the scriptures are proclaiming a suffering servant. The scriptures are proclaiming a nonviolent, loving Messiah. They're, this is a new thing. Like, let's get into it. Yes, they are claiming a king, a new king, but, but something that has nothing to do with Caesar. A king whose most powerful act was nonviolent love, submission, and reclaiming life from death. One of the ways that Paul imitates Jesus, Megan and the others did a great job of doing imitations of each other. One of the ways that Paul imitates Jesus is by proclaiming that nonviolent love to anyone who will listen to him. And the Thessalonian Jews, just like, just like the people that Jesus had been preaching to a decade before, they would have felt threatened by that and they wouldn't have understand that at all. So they're in uh, this Roman Greeks, Roman occupied Greek city. And the community of Jews is quite a small community within that city. So they're really trying to establish themselves as belonging there. They, they, they want everybody to understand that, yes, we, we worship Caesar too, or like we, Caesar is our king. And so when this, there's this like group of upstart uh, Jews who are saying, no, there's another king, they, they don't want to have, be associated with that, that threatens their whole community. And so the leaders there, uh, they want to protect their community. And ultimately, they want, uh, they want Paul to just like, be quiet, you're, you're threatening our safety in this, in this city. And so, and so that leads to them, ultimately, uh, throwing Paul out. Um, but before Paul goes, he's really established a community of people who believe in Jesus as the Messiah. So Paul might have been run out of town, but there's this community that he leaves behind and they become the revolutionary community in, uh, in that city. And, and their work of faithfulness, of steadfastness, of hope in Jesus, and we read Paul writing very lovingly to them in the letters to the Thessalonians, 
he's praising that community for becoming imitators of him. So they continue, their world continues to be upside down. And the word of them spreads throughout the region so that other communities hear of the way the Thessalonians are, are believing in Jesus and are being steadfast, are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so that continues to spread as, though, as people keep imitating and imitating in their own ways in their own cities. Now, there is no doubt that our world has absolutely been flipped on its head. We're, our, everything is upside down in the past few months. Uh, and it's likely that it will never be righted. I know many of us sort of hope like, oh, if only things could go back to the way they were before. Um, and I think we also all know like that's, it's, that's just not gonna happen. Nothing's gonna ever be like it was before. We're starting to talk in ways about new normal, right? Um, so I've been thinking about what is our challenge? Our challenge really is what kind of revolution will this spark? What do we want to stay upside down? Uh, what ways can we follow Jesus out of this upside down world that stay upside down? Um, and how can, how can we use this time to reflect on what needs to be shaken up and what ways is Jesus calling us to love and justice? Uh, the, the question for our fellowship time a little bit later on this morning, um, Megan chose, what have you realized you can live without? Uh, many of us have realized we can't live without groceries and mail carriers and food workers and deliver people who are delivering things uh, to our homes. Of course, uh, medical personnel and the people who support those folks in, in those settings. Um, I know many of us uh, a couple days ago on May 1st chose to boycott places like Target and Amazon and uh, Trader Joe's and some of those major retailers whose workers are really calling on us to support them in equity and injustice. So some of us chose to do that. Um, some of us are really trying to put our money in places other than Amazon uh, so that we can support local folks. We're, we're trying to pick up our food rather than like uh, give a huge percentage to Grubhub or somewhere some other delivery. So there is still a way, even though we're inside, that we can choose to work for equity. And some of our neighbor imitators named some of the ways that they're, they're doing that as, as neighbor imitators of, of Jesus. So my prayer, my true prayer is that we can use this time of reflection to think about what stays upside down. Because we talk about Jesus' reign being an upside down kingdom. And we have a chance for, for things not to go back to right side up. And I pray that, that we can continue to reflect on that as followers of Jesus and imitators of Jesus Christ. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for that invitation, Amy. Let's continue then in a spirit of prayer, inviting those who have already, I see uh, many of you have already put um, some prayers into the chat to me privately and welcome more of those to come that I will share. As we hold uh, so much in the, in the light of God's loving care and presence, uh, let's pray together. God who dwells in the balance of our terror and our awe, we come expecting what is knowable and tangible and are met with an empty uncertainty. 
We trust you to send your spirit to inhabit the space before us and between us so that as we raise our prayers and faith, they will be met by the love of a risen Christ. We hold in the light all those who are exceptionally isolated in these days. We think especially of our own Kent McDaniel and Maxine Knorr and pray that they would experience and trust in your love and ours. We pray for Rita's sister-in-law, Phyllis, in a memory care facility that has just reported their first case of COVID-19. And we remember Pete's brother, David, who works in a senior care facility that has just had their first case as well. We also pray for our own Sandy, who's been called back to work at an outpatient rehab center, and as she and the staff face their own fears of the virus. For these beloveds and for all those who are showing up day in and day out to care for the most vulnerable, we give thanks. And we pray for your presence and your healing and your peace. We pray for little Miles Yancey going into his second open heart surgery tomorrow. Grant him health and strength and comfort and be with his parents, Sarah Lynn and David, as they process the quick adjustment in timeline and care for both boys. We pray for stability and good memories for big brother Leo, who is staying with grandparents in Ohio. We hold in the light Elaine's friend Anna in Zimbabwe as she struggles to find new sources of water. We pray for Via's friend's teenage daughter, who is suicidal. For Megan and John's Aunt Dort on a ventilator in the ICU in Virginia. And for all those who are struggling with how isolation exacerbates addictions, mental illness, and just the regular struggles with temptations and shadow sides. May we show up for one another and ourselves, nurturing connection and well-being for all. We love and pray for all of our youth and children who are having a tough time stuck at home. And as we especially remember our high school seniors who are missing all of their end of year milestones and celebrations in all their losses, may they experience our love and prayers with them. We hold in the light Aziza, Lake City Partners board member and member of the Idris Mosque, whose father passed away in Hebron this last week. A city we already heard about being under extreme pressure, under Israeli occupation. Peace be with Aziza and her family who must mourn from here. Peace be upon them in the season of also the observance of Ramadan. And from our chats, from Susan, prayers of consolation for the disproportionate number of people of color affected by coronavirus. Her sister-in-law, Rachel, lost her great aunt in the last month and is lamenting it is killing our people. Prayers with Melanie, who has stepped away from our Zoom church this morning to be with Lake City Presbyterian Zoom church to share the good news of Lake City Partners work and to celebrate and invite ongoing collaboration with Lake City Presbyterian in the winter shelter. Gratitude with Jennifer Delanti, who is celebrating the milestone of accepting Christ as her Lord and Savior 42 years ago today. 
and gratitude for all of us who are on this journey with her. Prayers with Elizabeth Valenzuela, who is remembering the church, those in our church family that are struggling with parents and grandparents and friends and children who are sick and struggling with this pandemic and through this pandemic. With Sabrina Solis for her sister Tammy and her husband Donnie in Michigan as they grieve the passing of Donnie's mother this week. From Susanna, who is holding the light, prayers for those healthcare workers who, while they are needed more than ever, are taking pay cuts and reduced hours and furloughs and layoffs after giving so abundantly of themselves during this pandemic. We hold in the light all of these prayers, both spoken and unspoken, written and unwritten. That the Spirit of God who goes before, who follows at our back, who breathes within each of our bodies and who dwells in the body of the church and invites us to stay in the spirit of celebrating and holding that which needs to remain upside down. Be our comfort and our companion in the name of the risen Christ. We pray and all God's people together said, Amen. Amen. We are grateful for all of the gifts that each of you offer to our congregation in an ongoing way and in these days, both money and many other kinds of gifts. And we are grateful for uh, a means to collect donations digitally. And today we especially give thanks and gratitude for the way that we are able as a congregation, as a church, as a collective, as a community, to give collectively to organizations that um, are embodying uh, our shared values. And um, we're excited about the extra jubilee partnership giving that the church affirmed and discerned in our budget last year. Um, and for the good discerning conversation that we will have during adult Sunday school under the leadership of Just Peace Council. Um, if you care about how we share our collective resources in the world, I invite you to stick around and be part of that conversation that will be only enriched by more of us participating in it. As we now bring, begin to be, bring closure to our worship, time, I invite the O'Learys again to lead us in song. We're going to sing, Praise, I Will Praise You, Lord.
Friends, as we head into another week, another week of mostly quarantining at home, of experiencing physical distance from one another, and um, another week of trying to do all the things, the working and the child caring and the just surviving day in and day out. As we head into another week of discerning what parts of this upside down, we are called to keep upside down. As we head into this week, I offer this blessing. May God bless you and keep you. May the very face of God shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God's presence surround you and give you peace. May it be so. Amen. And 